Hello again from Soundbridge in Benaroya Hall, Seattle, for the Seattle Chamber Music Society in collaboration with listener-supported classical King FM at 98.1. I'm Dave Beck. I'm the afternoon music host at King, and it's my great pleasure and honor to host this series of conversations with Seattle Chamber Music Society festival artists. We always encourage you to seek out our archive of two dozen or so conversations and subscribe to these podcasts at seattlechambermusic.org. We're now in week three of the 35th annual Summer Festival, continues through July 30th in Nordstrom Recital Hall here in Benaroya in Seattle. All these concerts broadcast live on King FM. Our guest this afternoon first set foot inside Juilliard School for cello lessons at age seven. He received his undergraduate degree from Harvard, his master's from Yale, and his sharing the fruits of that distinguished education and accumulated wisdom these days with his own students at the University of Texas, Austin, where he's professor of cello and head of the strings division at UT's Butler School of Music. Along with a busy schedule of chamber music and solo cello engagements with great international orchestras and music presenters, he's engaged in innovative projects with collaborators from the world of cinema, animation, and the diverse musical and cultural community around Austin, Texas. He plays a new cello made in recent years that makes us wonder, is Texas the new Cremona when it comes to <laughs> creating fine string instruments? We'll explore that intriguing question as we give a warm welcome here to the podcast to Beyond Sang. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And welcome back. How, how many summers in Seattle now? Or okay, summers so, and winters? Uh, well, this is going to date me. Um, my first summer was in 1996. So this is my 21st summer here. Excellent. Excellent. We're going to be playing um, several selections this afternoon from an upcoming recording of yours. It's called Beyond Sang at Blue Rock. And these podcasts have been um, wonderful because... Um, Adam Neiman, who's going to be your yeah. collaborator with the Grieg Sonata right, on, on Friday, Friday night, yeah. and Amy Schwartz Moretti and the Wolfram and Richard O'Neill are some of the artists, I think, that have brought in these recordings that are um, not only beautifully played, but they're very personal Personally, documents. Yeah, yeah. And um, what is Blue Rock? Where is Blue okay, Rock? Or so what's, what's, the, <laughs> what's the project? Well, so this project is kind of, I don't know, like, well, well over 20 years in the making, um, in the sense that, uh, well, like, let's see, where, where do I start? Um, you know, cello, as, as most people know, has a relatively limited repertoire, um, although my, my, one of my students um, just gave her, 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 her doctoral thesis was about uh, cello concertis, and she <laughs> discovered that they're like, I don't know, like three or four hundred cello concertos. Wow! But you know, you only hear maybe a dozen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, because those are probably the only twelve that are good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I I've always had uh, envy of violin and piano literature, and as as naturally as a string player, more more so of, of violin literature, and and um, well. You know, I'd love to be able to play the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto on the cello. I don't think that will ever be a good idea for, for a cellist to do. Um, but, you know, doing transcriptions is, is, a, is a whole other uh, uh, world, um, just because of the nature that, that, you know, when a violinist makes a transcription, well, why not 
cellist. Why, yeah. why can't a cellist do the same thing, right? So, um, and, and, you know, I think if you think about, for example, uh, Mussorgsky's pictures and exhibition, you know, originally for piano solo, but we really know only, mostly know that through the orchestral mm -hmm. version. So, you know, certainly transcriptions are uh, a viable medium. And, and so um, when I was um, in uh, graduate school, uh, I think it was, um, I, can't, well, I can't remember the name of the company, but somebody had released old Victor recordings of Casals uh -oh. playing short, Miniatures, as you call them. Mm -hmm. I, I like that word, by the way. <laughs> um, and oh God, I was just, you know, entranced, you know, because in the span of three minutes, you're you're just there's a whole world there, you know, and, and each one is of course so different. And so I became obsessed with that. Um, uh, and already I had been listening to to high fits and 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 uh, you know great violin. Uh, masters who who play these kinds of things, but not many cellists right. do that. Uh, I know Piatigorsky did, but but um, so anyway, I discovered at Yale has an incredible historical recording library, and they had every single recording that that Casals had done of, of these short pieces. Wow! So that became my doctoral thesis was to transcribe, put, put down on paper all these things that he played, some of which were published, but he'd make, he, would, he would always make changes, you uh -oh. know, so to make it his own, you know. And then there were other, other things that, that just didn't exist, so I'd have to just find something that, because this was also before uh, Finale and all these Sibelius, you know, these, these music notation yeah. programs were, uh, made it simple to put things down on, on, on staff and, you know, so I had to hand, you know, or, or yeah. take a, take a score and, and then, you know, piano score or something and then just write over that, you know. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I want a service because as you say, uh, you know, there may be sheet music of these things, yeah. but, but, but in terms of the little twists and interpretive things that right. these, these cellists or yeah. violinists or yeah. what, yeah. Um, that what a what a great effort to yeah. document those uh, things. Yeah, yeah. And like so, so you know, you're your cellist. Yes. So, so Requiebos, for example, he took a middle, the middle section like Casals, and he just transposed it down <laughs> like a mm. minor third or something, which was really cool. Like you know, it, I'm, I'm not sure why he did it, but it sounded <laughs> great, you know. And so anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, before before I forget this question, and we'll we'll unpack a lot of this. I've got some of uh, one of your uh, yeah. Casals transcriptions in our uh, collection here today. Blue Rock is the place you recorded? Okay, so, yeah, so Blue Rock, well, I mean, I've been in Texas now for 14 years, and all three of my children essentially have, one was not born there, but, he, you know, we moved there when he was only three months old, so. Texans. Yeah, we're, we're a Texas family now, and so Blue Rock is this place that is about, um, I don't know, maybe 15 miles from my home, and it's in, it's in the middle of Texas Hill Country. It's just so picturesque, and um, it's, an, it's a, a musician's retreat, um, uh, mostly for anything but classical, <laughs> um, but I, I just thought it would be the perfect place to to record uh -huh. these these pieces um, and to do video because I really wanted um, I wanted because a lot of this is really hard stuff you know yes. which which by the way you know what's what amazes me more than anything is is to think that when Casals recorded these a lot of these pieces kinds of pieces 
he did them in one take. Well, yeah. Because that was you had no choice. Right. Right. It was just. It's a mess with those went, wax yeah. cylinder <laughs> machines. Yeah, just, yeah. There's no. There's no yeah, editing or yeah, splicing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I. I wanted to 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 have video documentation. I, he is actually playing these. It's not auto tune. No. <laughs> no. Let me begin. We'll we'll talk about this after we listen to yeah. a minute or so of um, this lovely piece that uh, is associated not only with Heifetz but. Um, Violinist by the name that I I don't really know Joseph Hasid. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, let's listen to it and we'll we'll talk about that. That. It's so, so <laughs> lovely. Uh, so, uh, this violinist Hasid. Uh, Joseph Hasid, yeah. He, he, he unfortunately died really young. Um, I don't remember what the, exactly um, what it was, um, but they ended up, um, he ended up having a lobotomy. I, I think it was mm. a, a misdiagnosis and and they gave him a lobotomy mm. in his 20s. But he recorded oh, this when he, when he was only 17. Yeah. Wow. And I love it more than anything. It's great. I mean, I, I first heard this, was of course, Heifetz, and, and it's, who plays it amazingly as well. And, and, then, and then I heard this, this recording of Joseph Hasid, which I think it was, it was um, yeah, it was a college friend's uh, uh, father who, like a relative who who told me about him in this recording. So that's how, that's how I found out about him. Yeah, and and what age were you when you're listening to these recordings? Oh, the, yeah. So I was I was in my uh, it was in grad school. Yeah, still, okay. still in grad school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. College college. I started already listening at that point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I just yeah, I love the the rubato. You know, who who's your pianist there? Uh, oh, this was a um, I was a graduate student at at UT. Yeah, well. Um, because, you know, my, my longtime partner, Anton Nell, who's also mm -hmm. at UT, I, I was debating for so long, you know, do I ask Anton to do this, 
because you know of, of our long relationship. But I, I just felt like these pieces are so personal, and I didn't want to tell Anton what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so so, so I decided I, I'm going to just you know find a really talented graduate student, and you know work it with her. You know. And we just went over every single little detail, you know, that, that I'm going to take a little more time here. But, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. The, I, mean, I suppose a question I have is when you, you know, you're listening to Heifetz, you're listening to Hasid, you study with Leonard Rose. Uh, you know, wh- where do those personalities end and Beyond Sang takes over? I mean, or, or, or can, you, can you help... You know, deconstruct what I don't goes know. into... I, it's a good question because, you know, it, it reminds me of a, 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 a story. Um, when I was a freshman at Harvard and uh, taking uh, uh, the beginning um, course in, in um, music theory and our professor, Luis Vazgershen, one of the exercises was to harmonize uh, Bach... Um, Chorale, chorale melody, um, and so she's playing through everyone's harmonizations at the piano. It comes my turn, and she plays it's about five measures in, and she stops and she turns. Osmosis. <laughs> I mean, I, I do not consider myself a composer at all. I mean, I'm, I, I would. I, I, but somehow, you know, just having heard enough Bach, you know, that, that I, I was doing stuff that, you know, she, you know, she just like, this is like Bach, this is cool, yeah, you know? That's great. Um, so I've listened to so many recordings over the years. I don't know where, you know, where Rostropovich, you know, with what's Rostropovich, what's Yo-Yo, what's me, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's but it's, uh, that's who I am, is, yeah. is all these influences. I mean, for sure, when I was growing up, um, Rostropovich was a huge influence mm-hmm. on me, his recordings. Um, I would listen and, and, and I would mark down, you know, try to imagine what fingering he did. This is, of course, you know, before YouTube and you know kids these yeah. days, they got they, they can see what, what a tool doing, yeah. they have there. Yeah. But I try to you know figure out. Oh yeah, I can hear he does a you know a shift here there. You know he must be using thumb position here. You know and he puts a slide. There. You know and that was kind of my starting point. And I just tell that to my students too. You know go out and 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 it's okay to, to at this stage in your development copy other people. You know yeah. as long as it's not just one, which I did do for a long time as a kid. But then eventually. <laughs> I realized, oh, Leonard Rose is yeah. pretty damn good cellist too, <laughs> and, and so is Piatigorsky. And listen, to, you know that this idea of, of of what we hear and how it influences and influences us. I, I love the story about the Dvorak humoresque. That it's it, you can lay Swanee River by Stephen Foster on top of the yeah. Dvorak humoresque, yeah. and you have brilliant counterpoints. Speaking yeah, of, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's the same chord structure, and then Gershwin is on his public school playground in Manhattan, not many years after Vorjak dies, and he hears that piece of music. Right, right. Goes on to study with one of Vorjak's students. But I just, but that idea of, you know, what we're absorbing around us and how we're right. making it our right. own is, uh, I mean, that's one of the great fascinations and pleasures of a- music. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. When I played this um, 
I played this as an encore in Austin after I, pl I played the Dvorak concerto, and, and so I thought naturally I should play more Dvorak, but <laughs> no solo Dvorak. So I, I asked the conductor if he could do the humoresque, and he said, oh, sure, I'll, go f I'll, find, I'll find an arrangement, we'll do that. And the second I, I started, like half the audience chuckled, which I found amazing, you know, that, that, that they, they, knew, they knew it so well, but, but at the same time, I was like wondering, why are they chuckling? Of course, you know, it's humoresque is the title, but, you know, it, the way I play at least, I, you know, I'm not trying to get a chuckle. Yeah. And so I asked uh, um, uh, one of my um, uh, so-called, you know, sp sponsors in, in, in Austin, um, who's older, and, and I said, you know that piece, right? And he said, oh, yeah. So what, what, why, why were people laughing? And he said, well, and I don't remember the, the, the year this was, but there was, there was a point at which they, they would play it on the train. And because there's, somebody came out with this, this um, folk song arrangement and said, gentlemen must please refrain from using toilets on the train. <laughs> That's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And that's what he remembered. Yeah, that's, that's why exactly. he, that's what he, why he laughed. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to play a little bit of uh, fair amount of Tchaikovsky on this recording, yeah. and again, a lot of it coming from the world of the violin. So this is um, your co-arrangement, I guess we could call it, uh, Beyond Sang and Isaac Stern. Yeah. With uh, um, none but the lonely heart. Yes. We'll listen to yeah. this, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, so, listening to a lot of Stern, along yeah. with oh, yeah. Joseph Hasid and Heifetz, and um, a lot of lot of violin. A lot of violin. Well, yeah. Yeah, and that um, uh, a choice on your part, or or parents' record collection. Or how does how does that? I, I think it's yeah, no, it's choice choice on my part for sure. Yeah. Um, just because I think of the 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 vastness of the of the literature you know, that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, but this this song, um, I I also love listening to arias, and 
Um, I think it, that was set off. <laughs> this is, I hope this doesn't paint me as shallow, but by the three tenors, when, you know, they, they had that famous concert. Right. And I, you know, even though I know that for them was not like singing at the Met, but it just introduced me to that whole world of, you know, individual arias and, and, and of course the cello is so close to the voice, I just thought, wow, you know, I've got to f see if I can't find some pieces that, you know, I can play on the cello. Exactly. Um, and as much as I love Nissen Dorma, I don't think that that's going to work so, <laughs> so well. <laughs> you know, but this is one of those pieces. And when I heard, when I heard that Stern recording, I was like, oh, my God, I've got I to gotta play that. And and you chose the you chose the right spot. It was for that one going up there, you know, that that was just that one moment I had to I had to learn this. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so enamored and um I was um Toby Sachs was my teacher in college yeah. and then Ray Davis was my uh, my another my other prominent yeah. uh, cello teacher. They're both Rose students, so yeah. I consider Rose my my grand teacher. Yeah. And um they both, both Toby and Ray, and uh, there's this there's this thing. Uh, I hear um, Lynn Harold do it a lot. Mm -hmm. I think Toby called it an underslide. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a this expressive way of going into to the note. And um, you, you, tell me a little bit how you think about that that you know portamento or glissando or yeah. Or, it um, it's unfortunately I, th I I think it's a lost art. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. Sure, I think at a certain point it maybe was done to excess, um, but I'd rather it be there than you know than not at all, which is mm -hmm. what I think most most string players today don't don't really think. It's what's happening between the notes, yeah. um, and singers do it naturally; they have to. Um, and why shouldn't string players? Um, mm -hmm. So I mean that that's. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I gravitate towards that, but I, I just do. And, and yeah, there was a certain era of string playing that, that really was very much featured that. Um, and you know, the, when I teach it, it's, it's interesting. It's really, there are only uh, four variables. Um, either you're shifting before the beat or after the beat or you're shifting on the finger that you're leaving from, or you're shifting on the finger that you're going to. And then it's just every, but you can, of course, mix and match. <laughs> it, it sounds so simple, but it's... Yeah, so there are infinite possibilities. Right. And, and, and it's, I, I just love exploring that and, and the expression that... Because that, it, it feels different when you, yeah. do, when you put a different shift in there. Yeah. Um, and I have to... to Give credit where credit is due. I mean, um, uh, one uh, one of the other artists who, who's been here forever, Ron Thomas, is a master of shifts too, and mm -hmm. and he taught me a shift that that uh, he just reminded me on Monday. He said, "Ah, the notch st is still alive." <laughs> that's that's the name of the shift. Well, what he calls it, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to find a sp certain spot in the Dvorak to, to put it in there, and uh, uh, yeah, right. he, he heard it. Right. <laughs> well, it, it it happens all over the place, and all 
tastefully done. Oh, because you. and that's the other thing. It can be you know it goes out of style because people think of right, new right, ways. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think you know both James and um, and Toby uh, had in their in their programming sensibilities you know the thought to artists who can play in a very old-fashioned way sometimes mm -hmm. I, I just um, listening on um, Friday night to, to James and Clive Greensmith and yeah. you know play the the Schubert yeah I, I mean it was just so so exquisitely done and and the fact that they were on the same page as to where those slides happen where that rubato right, happens right it's it's just yeah. it's just so elegant yeah. and um, yeah. And, and when you use the word elegant, of course, you know, yes, James comes to mind, and, and so does Leonard Rose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, oh, just in, everything was impeccable. You know, like kind of the way he dressed and his hair and everything was, mm -hmm. you know, everything was just perfect proportioned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ray Davis will tell you that in his years at Juilliard, in, I think it was in the 50s, um, that, that uh, you know, uh, Rose was just a model of, of you know, decorum and yeah. presence for yeah. him in, in every yeah. way. He couldn't yeah. help but sort of, you know, emulate him in, right. in, in outside the concert hall as well as in yeah. the studio and the yeah. way that he yeah. behaved and presented himself. You were one of Rose's last students, probably. I was, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it was just far too short. Um, I was, uh, it was my last year, um, uh, two years in, in high school. Um, and I was looking forward to spending weekends with him um, at his home during college, but he passed away uh, my freshman year, so mm -hmm. that, that never materialized. Yeah, um, well, a, a story from my own. Um, there's a time right I was right after I was out of the Seattle Youth Symphony here, and um, Leonard Rose w had been scheduled to play Shalomo with the orchestra, yeah. and he gets too sick; he couldn't come, and, right. and Toby at the very last minute came in to, to oh, play that. Wow. And uh, she, she just, it was brilliant performance yeah. in every way, you know, pouring her heart out for her right. late teacher and, right. and this soulful yeah. piece of music. Uh, yeah. Block Shalomo was right. an amazing memory. Right. Well, um, speaking of soulful playing, let me uh, go through a couple more of these. Here's um, Here You Are, another Isaac Stern arrangement that you transcribed for cello, uh, Valse Sentimentale by Tchaikovsky.
So we'll throw Piatigorsky into the mix. Yeah, here. yeah, he was, he was my inspiration for recording this because there, and you can see this on YouTube. Um, I don't know what film it was for. Um, it was clearly a Hollywood film that this was this was done for, but um, where he plays this and and at, at that last run going down, he does the most unbelievable dumbo staccato. That you know, of course, you don't learn that really uh, as a student because you never have to play it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe occasionally you do up post staccato, but not down post staccato. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good reason to, to learn it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and so right. when I saw that, it was like, oh yeah, I, I better learn how to do that. And, and, um, and then I came across the Stern recording. Uh, this, this, um, this piece originally for piano, solo piano, um, I can't remember how many, it's A, B, A, C, A, D, you know, how, how many verses come back, but most people will just play A, B, A, uh, and they leave out a lot of the good stuff. And so, <laughs> but Stern does at least A, B, A, C, A, and so I, I liked that. I liked the, the, the double stops that he put in there in that, that C part, and, yeah. and, and so it was kind of a combo Stern Piatigorsky homage. <laughs> it works. And, and congratulations on the downbow staccato, because that's, that's an important tool in the, in the kit. Uh, so we're getting now to the Serenata Napoletana. Yeah. And this is, this is uh, uh, Giovanni Gambatti, but this is from your Casals time. Yeah, yeah. This, 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 that was part of that dissertation, and that was the part of that set of Victor recordings. Oh yeah, this piece is just um, you kind of have to hear it to believe it. It's like there's it's it because um, generally these pieces you know they 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 have one character, but this has <laughs> so many in just a span of what three minutes mm -hmm. or something and um, and if, and that yeah Casals was as good as anyone in terms of doing that you know just being stage actor there you know going from one. You know, like playing, like uh, doing uh, uh, Christmas Carol by yourself, right? You know, one man show kind of thing, but in three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, in, in a little while. Oh, and it, it starts. It starts out like it sounds like you're just tuning the cello. You're just plucking. The yes. Cello, right. Uh huh. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, and cool. I think I think I took it from the beginning here. Okay, so cool, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get yeah. a sense of these characters again. This is a. Oh, and and that's right. So that that was part of it too. Is that that that. You know, when I saw the music, um, Casals changed the beginning. He changed the meter because he wanted it to sound like mm -hmm. you're tuning your instrument. You wouldn't tune your instrument in rhythm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he, he, he does an irregular rhythm. So very nice. Yeah. The interpretation yeah. starts at the very beginning, yeah, or the reinterpretation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, Serenata Napolitana.
So this is you writing down things that Casals did that weren't necessarily on the on the page. Yeah, before. I mean this this piece is actually written for cello, and this is mm -hmm. this yeah. But but then he would just make those little changes to quote unquote improve <laughs> improve the piece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you do you teach these pieces? Um, I do when students are, can do it. yeah when when they when, but also if they're interested you know I mean they're not not all not all of them are interested in doing this kind of thing but mm -hmm. but yeah absolutely I mean it um, had a student last year who decided he wanted to to take on that challenge that I took on a few years ago of doing the Brahms Hungarian dances the the Joachim version. Mm -hmm. um, You've recorded those. I, well, not all of them. They're they're. I only recorded four. Four with them. Anton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with Anton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but here again, you know, my my violin envy. Like you know, there does exist a cello version, but it's so kind of watered down compared to the violin version. Huh. You know, I, I don't want violins to say, "Oh, that's easy." So, <laughs> so I have to play the violin version, and I do it uh, not at pitch, but at an octave down, which um, means that I'm playing everything a fifth above what violinists would play, because I don't have an E string. Oh yeah, well. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll indulge in just a little more uh, violin envy here, as you as you put it. Uh, I'll play the the whole. It's about two minutes and twenty seconds or so, but this is your uh, arrangement of. Um, Yasha Heifetz arrangement or your yeah. transcription. I don't know what terminology at least to use, but it's a um, very, very famous uh, Heifetz number here, played by Beyond Sang on the cello.
Brilliant. <laughs> Beyond saying, playing. Yeah, we can applaud. <laughs> so you had a you had a stern strain and a Heifetz yeah, strain yeah. and a Joseph Hasid right. strain of you know violin schools that all are part of your inspiration. Absolutely. And yeah. 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 Um, you must have just eaten the popper etudes for, for oh. lunch when you the popper Joseph Popper for people you know, who have don't know, was this Hungarian cellist. He was the kind of the grand teacher of Janusz yeah. Starker, I think if you trace back that, right. that line. Right. And he wrote uh, these, these etudes, or 40 of them, yeah. called the High School, High School of yeah. Cello Playing. And I think you know some of these were variations on parts that he encountered as a cellist of difficult Wagner parts. Yeah. I mean, are there, are there contemporary popper etudes? Are there things that are, you know, test a cellist medal that are being written that kind of incorporate, um, you know, contemporary techniques? Oh. I, I, I guess not, I'm just trying to get at yeah, 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 yeah. how no, you... Not, not, not that I'm aware, although, um, yeah, I mean, my, my, I have a graduate student who's, who's actually interested in, in writing etudes of extended techniques, but, mm, you know, since, you know, so much of music that's written today is... It's, I mean, what we would call extended techniques are not really extended anymore, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just like you're expected to be able to know how to play, you know, beyond the bridge and 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 so on and so forth, and, but yeah. in an expressive way. Um, I have to confess, you know, these these popperetudes, I hated them when I was a kid, um, and so I kind of blocked them out of my mm-hmm. out of my mind, mm-hmm. um, and and so I don't even remember how many I, I don't. I don't think I learned all forty. Yeah, but it's, I, it's very difficult. It's very to, difficult. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't, I uh, but I don't remember how many I learned. And when I, I last time I kind of leafed through my childhood copy, it's like, oh, there are fingerings there. <laughs> okay, I guess I, I guess I did learn yeah, that. Yeah. You know, um, but um, I, I feel like I didn't really learn the cello until I was in graduate school, hmm. um, and it's not because. Of, of a lack of great teaching. I think it just, I just wasn't mentally prepared. You know, wasn't, um, uh, I very much approached playing the instrument um, just like, you know, I'm just gonna do it, you know, and, and if I do it enough times and I get it, say, nine times out of 10 in the practice room, I figure, okay, that's a pretty good, average, but mm-hmm. I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, so it wasn't until I was in grad school that, that you know, Aldo Paraso kind of forced me to, if I missed something, he'd say, do it again. And then I'd miss it and do it again. And, and, and maybe I'd get it and then I'd do it again. I'd miss it, do it again. And, and he said, do you know what you're doing? No. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so uh, it was at that point that 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 uh, I really you know kind of buckled down to figure out what what am I trying to trying to achieve yeah. all the time at the, at the instrument and um, but by that point it was too late to go through all forty tubes again <laughs> you know and and the piano caprices and all that and. Um, but, but, but also, I mean, he was of the philosophy, you don't need to do that. You right. know, if you just really kind of boil everything down to the essence of, of, you know, string playing, there's actually not that many things that we're doing. And, 
just have to to apply it methodically on yeah. your own, you know on your own. So this this brings back so many memories of me of of um, my own studies. I when I use the word miniature, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think of for me it's the Rachmaninoff vocalese or the or the the Schumann fantasy pieces. Yeah. And you know, you with with Ray Davis in particular, a, a Rose student, we would go through really heavy, you know, technical studies and Kosman and, yeah. and and Popper, and then he'd say, for the next two weeks, I want you to we're just going to work on the Rachmaninoff vocalese, right? And and the way he would break that down to it's just it's just as you're playing as a is demonstrates that you know every, every little phrase every little choice every little detail, you make yeah, yeah. Um, it, it becomes part of that right, of that education right, and, yeah and I I don't know it might have been a, an interview that you and I did on on KUW when you were talking about working with Rose mm-hmm. um, at least one Rose student has told me that Rose would just you know work you and work you mm-hmm. and then he'd a recital or some date would be coming mm-hmm. up and he'd go now forget everything I said and go out and play mm-hmm. so I mean it just has to be yeah you know, that, ultimately that course, the instinct yeah and that that's the hardest thing to do right is 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 you know you're working 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 and 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 but then you gotta just let go, or you're, or you know, there's everyone's always got a little something, I and mean, even Tiger Woods, right? He, 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 it wasn't until he got a swing coach, proper swing coach, that he finally won all these tournaments, you know, and he was number one in the world. And then he, when he fired him, up, oh, there goes his number one rating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, even the most supremely talented, you know, individual can still have, you know, use some thoughtful instruction. And so, so you're when you're practicing, you're, you're. Thinking, okay, what? Okay, I got to remember to do this, do that, do that, and, and you gotta, then you got to do it over and over and over again. But then, when it comes time to play, you can't think that. If you think that, you're gonna, you know, you're, you're you're sunk. You're not in the music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that that yeah, that's the hard hard. It's finding that yeah. that balance. Yeah. Well, one more here, and <clears throat> this is a, another Heifetz transcription that you had a hand in, uh, and then put some <laughs> finishing touches. It's a Casanova Tedesco set of variations on Figaro from uh, Rossini's Barber of Seville. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how you've had some interesting collaborators in this yeah. piece from within your own family yes. after, we, uh, after we hear this.
Pianzang with uh, Mario Castanuovo Tedesco's set of variations. And this is a, what, what was this originally written for? Do you? Do you oh, this, this is, um, it's a concertpiece. Yeah. Yeah, it's a concertpiece. He, he wrote one um, for, for Heifetz, which is mm -hmm. what, what I, I play, and then he wrote one for Piatigorsky. Um, and again, you know, I could have just done the, the cello version, because certainly Piatigorsky's you know, no shabby cellist and, and to follow in his footsteps is plenty good enough, but I just didn't want the violinist to have all the fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, and, and of course, and, 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 you know, you, you, we were, we were talking earlier about, you know, popper. I mean, this, this, this is, kind, this is kind, of, kind of my popper is to find pieces like this that just stretch the boundaries. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's like when the Tchaikovsky piano concerto was written, people deemed that as unplayable. Right. But now, I mean, even tiny George Lee, when he was six, probably played it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to, uh, this recording, which, what, Christmas time it's going to be? Or do yeah, you know we're, when the... we're planning a, a pre-Christmas release. Yeah. Okay. So we're taping this in July of 2016, so... So um, this, yeah. Time, time, to, time to get your Christmas list ready of whom you want to send this to. And there's a series of videos that you did along with... Um, right. So, so I, as I said, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to have, you know, video of my hands as I'm playing this. Um, and so when it came time to decide who was, who, you know, what video crew to do, I, um, I remembered that one of my best friends, um, uh, who's a violist... Um, his son is a budding young filmmaker. And so I thought, oh, I should just hire Sam. You know, I have Sam do all the videography. And since he's interested in, you know, becoming a, you know, another George Lucas, um, <laughs> let's, I, I just had to have at least one, like, not even, I wouldn't even call this a music video, but like a film short. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it, it's about six uh, minutes. The, yeah, the piece goes well, on. yeah. It, you know, I figured of all the pieces, this one is, fits the best. You know, it, it, this is the same music that you see in Bugs Bunny, right? And so um, I wanted something that was similar, suited for kids, um, but we didn't know really what to do. Um, uh, so it, actually, right, that's right. Originally, the thought was that. My oldest son at that point was really into Legos. And he um, actually made, was making Lego stop animation videos. Wow. And so that was my original thought was have my son do it and, and do this elaborate Lego you know, animation. But I was like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's you know he was pretty young at that time, and it's like you know this is really going to work, and you know, and then and then at, I think at that, that 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 point like you know somebody had come up with some way of doing it digitally, and it's like oh geez, this, this, that's that's not going to work. So <laughs> so when when Sam came along, you know all these thoughts were in my mind like you know what are we going to do? I want to tell some sort of a story, um, and so we kind of just you know went back and forth, and we and he he found somebody who was. Um, really good at um, paper animation. Yeah. And so we came up with this story um, and decided we were gonna, it was going to star my two sons. 
Um, there could be some some uh, live action with my two sons, and then the rest was going to be done with paper animation. And it's uh, ended up being a sibling rivalry thing. Yeah, they're they're fighting over the art supplies, and they they channel that uh, animosity into their own creation. Right, and and it cuts it back and forth between beyond playing this wildly virtuosic stuff and and. Your two boys. How old are they? Or I were they when back, they was when they were? Yeah, they were. I think they were like uh, seven and ten or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's very creative. I'll figure out a way to get it up on the uh, the, the King FM website or share, share it around with the Society website, and, and you'll be able to see it. And um, and you'll release those. Yeah, as, it, as it'll, the, it'll all be all be out there. Yeah. And, yeah. One other thing. Uh, well, a couple of things, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. But um, uh, you're doing some silent film work. Uh, t- yeah. yeah, which I think speaks to the just the spirit of collaboration, you know, that you're Absolutely. demonstrating yes. these days, and, yeah. and and are able to do in a place like Austin, where yeah. there's so much happening right. culturally. But uh, right, well, we have this place, uh, uh, this chain that I think is, I don't know if you have it here, Alamo Draft House. Not, not okay, because I, I know they 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 they're in California and New York, and 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 they're thinking of going globally now, um, but it's a it's a, a movie house where. Um, you, you, they serve you food and liquor, as you know, your your tables, and 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 it's it's the best way to watch a movie. It's great, <laughs> but there's a there's a front area that's that's pretty large, and and so um, they had this idea to take a Hitchcock film. Um, uh, it was, I think it was his second um, film that he ever made in 1927. It's a silent film, and to have live music. Uh, with a new score, the score that was that went with it with, was not good. Um, it didn't really fit fit the mm-hmm. fit the movie at all. And so, uh, but this was um, kind of co-produced by um, the Austin Guitar Society and their resident composer, who actually was um, uh, I served on his doctoral committee, and I knew his work because his his um, his thesis was were a set of uh, etudes that he wrote for the guitar, and they mm-hmm. were really great. And, and, and talk about extended techniques; it was about ex- extend, you know, extended techniques. Um, so I, I knew that it would be a good work, and it's, it was just cool. I mean, of course, the greatest challenge was how to how to to to, to fit the film because it's it's static, you know. I mean, in, in that it's it it you can't. Tell them, okay, you got to hurry up here, you know, and and but I so I have to follow the film, but still sound musical and you know free and and you know like yeah, you know, it's, it's like a giant metronome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're gonna be, but you're using v- visual cues. I yeah. mean, there's there's no click track, there's no conductor or anything. So we all wow. each each of us had a screen in front of us, and we're watching the screen, but then I have to watch my music and going back and forth, and it's it's wild. Yeah. And you're going to do uh, subsequent performances. Yeah, so we're, of doing, it. we're 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 doing that again in in, in Houston in in, uh, in next spring. Yeah. yeah. Well, my final question is about. I think on this recording is with your your new cello. Is that, yes. Is that right? So that is an extraordinary sounding instrument, and it was built in 2011. 2011. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's a gentleman who's played all six box suites on a, you know, a Stradivarius instrument from the David Fulton yes. collection. Uh, but you're you know you're doing your your work these days on a uh, a, a new maker yeah. based in yeah. uh, the Dallas area. Um, Correct. Who, yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to just try to tie all this together. You know, um, playing on David's uh, bass of Spain Strad uh, showed me 
how hard I was working on my own old Italian instrument. Um, and I thought it was originally just, okay, because this is a $20 million instrument, and, you know, it's, it's a Strad, you know, um, which uh, that is part of it. But then um, later on, I again played the, this, the Six Suites, and Dave's cello was not available, so I borrowed a, a Guarneri. Um, and it felt exactly the same. It was very different, like a smaller cello and, and different sound and all this. And, but playing-wise, it just felt exactly the same. Like, oh, this is easy on this cello. Why is my cello so hard? So all along, I had been kind of looking for something that was going to liberate me, like, but still sound, sound really nice. Mm -hmm. And so years passed, and, and, and I had heard over the years that Andres Diaz, my fellow Texan, um, was playing on this Wayne Burak cello um, and had bought like six of them. Um, and then when I heard that he finally w had put his Montagnana on the market, I said, okay, this, this that says it all. You know, these, these must be really, you know, worth, worthwhile cellos to play on, you know, full time. So. So I called up Wayne and I said, hey, can you bring down, you know, uh, come visit my studio class and you know, show me your cellos to, to, to my students. Um, I said, oh yeah, sure. So he brought down like 20 cellos. And my students are trying them and, 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 I, and, and I brought my cello and I said, hey, Wayne, um, can, can you just play on my cello? I'm just curious. Because oh, he's he by the way was uh, the principal cellist of the Fort Worth Symphony, so he's not, right, he's he's not a, a shabby cellist. Yeah, very fine. Really Eastman-educated, yeah, player fine cellist, and he still plays. And um, so he starts playing my cello, and it's like half the sound. And I can tell he's like he's working the cello. He's not, you know, he's not trying to fake it. Um, and and so I, so I said, Wayne, can you can can you now pick out you know the, the cello? You, all of these cellos here, the one that has the biggest bass, because I was we used to play the bass of Spain, right? Yeah. So I had to have something with a huge bass. Um, and so he pulled that out, and, and he played, and it's like, oh my God, it's the night and day, the difference. So so I took that home, and 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 I bought it the next week. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. And 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 since then, you know, I've I've had so many students, um, you know, they see my cello and they 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 ask me what it is, and I tell them and. And they've they've bought cellos of his, and like they're all great, you know. Mm. Every now and then, I'm like I ask my student, "Hey, you want trade?" Yeah. That's <laughs> well, the resonance and clarity in the in some of the the bass and open strings that we heard on that yeah, recording is it, it, just it's just easy to play, yeah. and, and 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 it lets you do anything. Um, he, he does make different models, and, and but the Strad models allow you to do that, and the other yeah. cellos have more personality, maybe. But but then you're kind of like stuck to that personality. Yeah. What, what, a, what a game changer in terms of affordability oh, absolutely, and, and yeah. great instruments yeah. getting into the hands yeah. of young. Yeah. Wayne Borak is, yeah. is his I name. Mean, can, I, I, I think I said, said to you earlier that I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting you know, 90 to 95% of the Strad at less than 1% of the cost. <laughs> <laughs> That's some serious cello <laughs> economics there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bjorn Sang, thank you so much for spending the time with us today for all the uh, extraordinary playing you've brought to Seattle over the years. We'll look forward to your performance tonight and then Friday playing the Grieg Sonata. That we don't hear that often. A good piece with... Uh, oh, and he's a great pianist. Adam Neiman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adam Neiman on Friday night. Let's give Bjorn Sang a...
warm hand of appreciation. Thank you so much. I'm Dave Beck from Classical King FM. Again, go to seattlechambermusic.org for tickets as the festival continues through the 30th of July and to hear all of these podcasts. James Ennis, the artistic director. Connie Cooper, executive director. Our engineer is Bill Levy. Programs produced by me and Jeremy Jolly of the Seattle Chamber Music Society. I'm Dave Beck. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you.